0: Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. We are preparing for another blast of winter. An Oakville high school teacher who has garnered international attention is now on paid leave. Who's best positioned to lead the Ontario Liberal Party? We have new details on foreign interference in our elections. I chat with former Humboldt Broncos player Caleb Dahlgren and getting ready for lights out in Formula One. The GMH podcast starts now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML.
0: We may be thunderstruck or snowstruck today. Well, not maybe, we will be. Major winter storm is expected to wallop southern Ontario tonight and overnight and into the wee hours of uh, tomorrow morning. And we're being told to prepare for uh, a bunch of snow and some strong winds as well. Here to give us the nitty-gritty of what's going to happen is Anthony Farnell, Chief Meteorologist with Global News, who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Anthony, welcome back to the show. How are
2: you? I'm doing well, yeah. It is is the end of the week, and that's what we all have to say to ourselves. (laughs) But uh, it is uh, going to go downhill pretty quickly uh, after about uh, 4 or 5 o'clock this afternoon.
0: So what are you expecting will happen? What should people be preparing for?
2: Well, they should prepare for uh, a lot of snow and very heavy, wet snow and a lot of wind as well. So uh, all of this coming together from a storm that we've been tracking for days since it came onto the coast near uh, Vancouver and Victoria and then down into California, across the desert southwest in the U.S., now Texas with severe weather last night. And uh, well, now all that Gulf of Mexico moisture is is coming up towards southern Ontario, and uh, that's just enough cold air that we have in place here to mean mostly snow and i say mostly there is still some question do we get into some rain for a few hours in hamilton and uh, that may limit some of the accumulations and that's what environment canada is thinking as well
0: obviously this is a storm that's going to happen this afternoon and into the evening so good news that you know schools won't be closed but bad news for those afternoon commuters what should they be expecting on the roads
2: yeah, so I, if you can, try and get home uh, by about 4, 4.30. Uh, it, it's going to be snowing, I think, just at that time, but it really picks up around dinner time. And uh, we're going to have snowfall rates as high as 5 centimeters per hour, combined with winds of 60 to even 70 kilometers per hour. And you know the end result is just going to be kind of a mess everywhere. Uh, Snowplows can't keep up with that, and uh, that snow sticks to just about everything. So uh, with this amount, there's even a chance that we get some power outages as the night progresses and and we get into early Saturday morning.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Anthony Farnell, Chief Meteorologist with Global News, as we preview the latest blast from old man winter. I was watching your forecast last night on Global News at 5.30 and 6, and it looks like Toronto and even east of Toronto is going to get maybe the, the, the bulk. Of this snow, upwards of 30 centimeters. Is that because this storm is going to pass through Lake Erie and Lake Ontario, picking up a lot of that moisture?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, but it's really the cold air. Where does that cold air get deep enough so that this accumulates and doesn't really melt as it lands? Because basically, uh, the melt process is going to begin as soon as the snow falls, and it'll continue this weekend. And I guess that's one of the benefits of it being March is that uh, it's already going to start disappearing. Uh, But there is concern that even Hamilton could get up in that 20 to 30 centimeter range. And with so much liquid in that snow, uh, you're going to have some big snow banks. You're going to have uh, some backbreaking work to try and to try and get it off your driveway or, or the sidewalks. And and that's going to be the case even into Saturday. But the snow, thankfully, wraps up by, by around 8 a.m., 8 or 9 a.m. Saturday. So the worst of it really is from 6.30, I would say, till midnight tonight. That's when those rates will be impressive and, and thunder snow is is a possibility <laughs> the last couple of snowstorms
0: you kind of alluded to it have been really i mean the snow has been heavy we, we had some ice pellets a lot of moisture in that snow and, and is that going to be the case for this one as well
2: yeah, I mean, we're looking at that chance of ice pellets towards Niagara, back into the London area. It's not quite the same setup uh, as the freezing rain event that we had early on. That was the first in the trifecta, the three systems that we've been watching uh, in the last nine days. So uh, it is close to zero, that temperature very near the freezing mark. And if you melted all that snow down, we'd end up with about 40 millimeters of, of liquid so that is a lot that is about half a month's worth or more coming all at once and and it's basically going to be a, a winter wonderland <laughs> within an hour of, of this storm starting.
0: last one for you we only got about a minute what the heck is thunder snow?
2: Yeah, well, this is uh it's basically convection, so it's what you would think, it it's a thunderstorm but in the wintertime and it's normally associated with whiteout conditions. If ever you've been out in it, it is something to behold because there's so much uh, kind of a blizzard or a whiteout type situation when that light reflects and refracts off all of the snowflakes. It basically looks like a white flash. And then the thunder actually gets muffled because of all of the snowflakes. It it occurs occasionally. Um, there's research being done that maybe it happens more often now because of wind farms in the area. And I know uh, from growing up and, and living downtown in Toronto, CN Tower gets hit quite a bit as well. But it's, it's a lot of friction from from what's going on and, and just basically it means it's a big storm <laughs> and <laughs> everything all the ingredients are coming together right over us uh, tonight well
0: we're going to hunker down once again and we'll be watching the latest forecast tonight at global news at 5 30 and 6 anthony always appreciate your time thanks for joining us Thanks for having me on. That's Anthony Farnell, chief meteorologist for Global News.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Well, a teacher at Oakville Trafalgar High School who has sparked uh, international attention, really, with her large prosthetic breasts, is now on paid leave. Uh, we learned this news uh, earlier in the week as the Halton District School Board met to discuss the status of its dress code, among other things. After uh, Kayla Lemieux's appearance, shock students, shock parents startled fellow teachers and really virtually everyone else who saw the images that were shared online. The question is, what happens next? Joe Warmington is a columnist with the Toronto Sun and has written about this. The headline, Warmington, the Kayla Lemieux show canceled no longer at Oakville School. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you?
3: Oh, doing pretty well. It's good to be with you. Uh, It's a good question about what happens next because so much has happened previous. But the one good thing is that you know the teacher is now out of the school, and that should end the bomb threats and these kinds of things, which is a big part of the problem for the parents and the students. You know, in addition to all the you know the controversy that goes with this teacher and how uh, how uh, you know the teacher was presented, if you will, mm-hmm. um, it was just that you know constant uh, every day worrying about somebody taking some extreme action. So. That part is dealt with. Now, in terms of what happens to the teacher, the school board is still indicating that Kayla Lemieux is on staff but not on assignment, which is code for, you know, being paid on leave. Um, So, you know, it might become a personnel matter and it could become a health issue, things like that, and we may not be privy to it. But uh, as far as I can tell, you know, Kayla Lemieux and the filter vlogger High School. I think that part is uh you know in the past.
0: And and this has been going on for months, you know, continuous protests. Uh, you mentioned the bomb threats. That, that's been a reality. You know, the students have really been on have to have been on high alert because they didn't know what they were walking into on a day-to-day basis. The
3: principal too. Y- the yeah. has been on uh, health leave. Yeah, stress leave. Given uh, that uh, uh, Yeah, I mean it's it, it's been a crisis and it's just all because of poor handling of it. I mean, the minute that that happened in the school, there was no mechanism in today's society to say look, you can't dress like that you know, and, and just, you know, you be you, but you do it on your own time but in the class, it's about the kids here this is why we're here. Nobody could say that. and You know, everyone's so afraid to say it that they, they don't want to have their bank accounts frozen and have everybody call them, you know, whatever phobic thing it would be and this is what you get when you don't have a system in place and say look we're not against you you know your concerns of or your issues but when it comes in around the kids we are concerned because we're here to do that that's why we're here and that's what i see and i think that's what the parents have been saying sort of a lot of the faculty have been saying behind the scenes and and this is not to knock the school board the school board really is in a tricky position because they can't win they're they're afraid because they don't want to have this turned into somebody alienating somebody because they're transgender. These kinds of things are very important to these boards, mm-hmm. is to try to foster some sort of exclusive or inclusivity, if you will. But this wasn't any of that, was it? This was this was something completely different, and they'd never dealt with it before, and they didn't know how to deal with it. And as a result, this is what you get, months and months of things.
0: Joe Warmington is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Joe is a columnist, a longtime columnist with the Toronto Sun and has written extensively about Kayla Lemieux. And we've got a couple of new wrinkles to this story as well. One coming out of the New York Post, which has published alleged photos of her walking around as a man, although she says the photos are not of her. And now she's claiming that the oversized breasts are real due to a rare condition. I mean, can we have any more bizarre twists and turns here? No, it's,
3: it, you know, and the, it, it's very, very interesting because this is something we've been working. The New York Post staked out the view for a month and then they came up with this picture. Now, there's, you know, the Canadian media doesn't have the resources to do that and I don't think we would do that. Uh, but but it's something that the New York Post did. They hired a photographer from Toronto, real good one, with a reporter, and they worked on that until they saw Lemieux, and they got this picture dressed like a man, uh, and they've, you know, they've sort of timed it up. But Lemieux has told me in emails that it's not him or her, and so you know how do you prove it? I mean, it's very difficult to prove. But where it really went weird for the board, and they had to really take action, was when Lemieux said that these uh, breasts aren't prosthetics. In fact, they are a rare condition I can't think of how to say it, but it, it, so it's sort of a, a gigantic uh, moses or some, some term like that. Mm-hmm. And no one had heard of it, but it, it does exist, and there's there are people that have it. It's mostly females that uh, have had this happen, and there are ways to deal with it. But this was what was being said. So now you say, well, how do you test this? So uh, we asked the teacher, Lemieux, You know, can you prove it? And the teacher said, Well, I have a a verbal diagnosis from a doctor and I'm ending it down. And, you know, women aren't asked to, to prove their breast size. So why am I being asked? It's a fair point. And so all these kind of like using the system to get around things. But the problem the board had was the board did not believe some of the faculty, some of the police that have been dealing with the case, some of the parents, some of the students people in the building where Lemieux lives, none of them really believe this story. And there was just too many of those anecdotes for the board to be, you know, sure. So it's a he said, she said, they said scenario. So they may not be able to prove that the, you know, uh, what you're seeing is, is real or unreal, but they just decided that the best thing to do is to pay the teacher, get the teacher out of the classroom and deal with it outside of the classroom. This should have happened months and months ago, but this is the reason why it's happened now.
0: Joe, I don't want to sound insensitive, but you know this story has been so explosive with so many, as we've been talking about, twists and turns. When does the movie come out about this?
3: Well, you know what? Uh, there may be books and movies about it. Maybe some of the students will write about it. It'll certainly be something that will be talked about in the annals of journalism and also in education. Of course, as you and I have talked about, I mean, the number one priority, obviously, are the students and their safety, and also with uh, Kayla Lemieux to make sure that Whatever is going on there, it, it gets, you know, the, the problems, the issues, the concerns, the turmoil, it gets dealt with in some professional way So because this is a human being and uh, somebody that's having extreme uh, struggles with, with life. And, you know, that's not lost on the school board. It's not lost on the parents or the students and certainly the media. Nobody's making fun of Kayla Lemieux. It's just a matter of trying to protect the school the integrity of their education and their safety uh and that goes for uh lemieux as well so i think that to answer your question i think there will be lots of discussion about this but mostly this is uh you know something that's got to be put in the past and hopefully everybody comes out of it uh you know with some sort of a you know a resolution that everybody can live with it's a
0: great point joe you've done uh, some extensive reporting on this story we appreciate your time today and uh, thanks for joining us
3: It's always great to talk to you. All the best. Joe
0: Wormington, longtime columnist with the Toronto
1: Sun. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
4: We have a lot of work to do ahead of us. We know that. And it it starts very much um, with the conversation we're going to have this weekend. That
0: is Toronto area Liberal MPP Mitzi Hunter as we welcome you back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin waking you up on a Friday morning. Liberals hope to soon be yelling yay, but they are far away from celebrating much of anything. The Ontario Liberal Party kicking off its annual general meeting this evening in Hamilton, which could give us a pretty good idea of who is really seriously considering taking a run at the leadership of that party. Sabrina Nanji is the founder of Queen's Park Observer and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Sabrina, welcome back to the show. How are you?
4: I'm good. Happy Friday.
0: Yeah, I love the uh, headline in uh, QPObserver.substack. Get ready for a bonkers liberal AGM. What are you expecting?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, winter storm be damned, you know, this is going to be what's expected to be the biggest uh, gathering of liberals in Hamilton starting tonight. Um, you know, there's over 1500 delegates um, who, who will be there. And it's sort of like the pregame to the big leadership contest, deciding who will lead eventually lead the liberals. And we know that it's significant for them because they were decimated in the last two rounds in 2018 and 2022. And so uh, they're going to be I guess the biggest thing that everyone will be watching for is, uh, you know, how they're going to pick the leader. And so that's going to be determined at at this weekend's meeting. Um, The party is debating these constitutional amendments to either stick with the delegated convention system, and it's kind of an antiquated system. The Ontario Liberals are the only major party in the country that still have this system, where essentially each riding gets to send a certain number of delegates, and those delegates vote for the leader. And so there's all this debate and a lot of buzz uh, and support for changing that to one member, one vote, which is if you're a member of the Liberal Party, you get a direct vote and a say in who the leader should be. Now, we know that the majority of Liberals already support this. The last um, annual general meeting they had, it it got majority support, but it didn't reach the 66% threshold that's required for a constitutional amendment. There's a lot more buzz, a lot more support and a lot more chatter about that happening now. So that's one of the major things that we'll be watching for. And you're right, that could um, make or break some of the potential contenders who have kind of been flirting with a bit. No one's made it any, uh, anything official yet. Uh, But, but some of these potential candidates for leader, it it might, you know, make help them make their decision either way, depending on how the race is going to look, which we'll find out this weekend. Well,
0: some of those potential leadership candidates, we had one of them on the air yesterday, Nate Erskine-Smith. Yasser nakvi has been mentioned. Bonnie Crombie has been rumored to jump in. Does one name, does one person jump out at you to say, wow, this, This person could do some pretty good things.
4: Well, I think everyone is compelling. And if you talk to the liberals, you know, a competitive leadership race is at least more than the NDP could say. So I think, you know, uh, a tough competition is, is something they're excited about. It, it would be a good thing for the party you know they'd have lots of headlines a lot of media coverage um, it's a fundraising opportunity for them but in terms of who is going to jump into the race nothing is official yet I think we'll start to see people making it official after this weekend when we get the details um but but there's been a lot of buzz about Bonnie crombie in particular because she's the only one of the names you've mentioned that hasn't really said yes yet but she she hasn't said no either and there's this growing draft Bonnie movement within the party um she, she's going to to be at the AGM this weekend. She's hosting a hospitality suite which is essentially a, a schmooze fest. You can, you know, have a drink, have a snack and and hear what, you know, liberal potential liberal leaders want want to say. And so, you know, someone like Bonnie Crombie, even though she says she's focused on on being mayor right now, she represents Mississauga, a 905 region, which ha- has a lot of votes up for grabs. It can make or break you at Queen's Park. Um, and, and so I think a lot of liberals are, are excited about that. She doesn't have as much political baggage as some um, other people who might put their their hat in the ring. Um, Yasser Naqvi, you know, uh, had sat in Kathleen Wynne's cabinet. And we know that that was something that Stephen Del Duca had to contend with, you know, his political rivals were uh, tying him to Kathleen Wynne and some of the, that unpopular decision making from her era. And lastly, you know, Bonnie is very good at getting under Doug Ford's skin. Um, they The two have sparred on uh, developer fees and the province scrapping those in particular for municipalities. She's chair of the big city mayors. You know, she has really taken Ford to task on that and and it's rattled him visibly. You know, we, we saw him get um, upset It things that were tense between them at a recent press conference too And and Ford essentially told her, you know, quit your whining. But if you're a liberal if you're on the opposition side, um, if you're, you know, an anti-Ford voter, I think someone like Bonnie is, is very appealing to you.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Sabrina Nanchi, the founder of Queens Park Observer. You can check it out, qpobserver.substack.com. You mentioned the large gathering, 1,500 liberals, it's going to be the, the, the biggest convention in years. Does that speak to the opportunity or to the crisis that this party finds itself in?
4: I guess it depends on your vantage point. But there's there's no question that, you know, the Liberals have to do um some serious soul-searching. In 2018 and 2022, they were decimated. They don't even have recognized party status in the House right now. Um And, and they've actually lost a lot of their, um, you know, territory, a lot of strongholds that these parties could count on, you know, Toronto area, Ottawa area. Uh, a lot of those seats have either gone conservative or, or NDP. And so I think the party really... Uh, um, uh, is at a point where they've obviously gotten the message from voters and, and they're going to have to look at doing things differently. And so I think that there's a lot of appetite for change among the liberals now, but this is all, um, it's kind of like the inside baseball of, you know, party politics right now. This is kind of the liberals sorting themselves out before they can, you know, uh, be competitive in a general election. And so I think that, you know, you uh, some of the some of the things that will be determined, it, including you know who's going to be party president, um, will will be a big factor into the dire- in the direction that the party is going. Uh, we have Catherine Mcgarry, a former cabinet minister and a former mayor of Cambridge, who who's one of the high profile people running for party president, um, and you know that vote will be decided this weekend. And uh, a, a lot of people are are thinking you know this is an old guard member, you know someone who was in Win's cabinet, um, someone who uh, you know has a lot has a very um uh storied career in in the party and so she she uh could take party president and I think a lot of people are worried about that because the liberals are all about some liberals are all about turning the page, having something new and fresh for voters to kind of revive this party. And so I think, you know, seeing who comes in, at least at the you know party level this weekend, is going to be a big indicator as to what direction the party will be going.
0: Lots of great analysis by Sabrina Nanji, founder of Queen's Park Observer. Sabrina, thanks for the time. Enjoy this weekend.
4: Thanks, Eric.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. From 900 CHML.
0: MPs on a House of Commons committee looking into foreign interference in our elections heard from the director of CSIS yesterday with a breakdown of what happened yesterday and what is potentially going to happen. We bring in Mackenzie Gray, senior digital broadcast journalist with Global News. Mackenzie, good morning. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What, what did we hear from David Vino yesterday?
5: Well, if we're looking for more information into the reporting that we've done on Chinese interference at Global News and our colleagues at Global Mail have done, uh, we didn't hear much uh, in terms of trying to, you know, cooperate or substantiate uh, any of the reporting that we've done. We heard from the head of CSIS, David Guineau, basically saying that we can't get into that. Uh, but he did go out of his way to, um, at least try and I would argue, undermine the reporting that both uh, we've done at Global and uh, what's happened at the Golden Mail. Uh, talking about how intelligence is only a portion uh, and that, you know, sometimes doesn't paint the full picture of what has happened. Uh, I should say, from our reporting, uh, we reviewed these documents uh, and talked to intelligence sources to make determinations about, in particular, our latest report on uh, LeBlanc P. Handong, Dong. Uh, we've heard from uh, those two uh, types of sources that in the 2019 nomination meeting in Don Valley North, where he is uh, currently the MP, that the Chinese consul in Toronto uh, bust in Chinese Canadian seniors uh, and told uh, Chinese international students that they didn't go vote for him, they could have their student visas revoked. Um, so, in terms of any more information about those allegations, we didn't hear that from Mr. Bino. Uh, But he did say that they are trying to uh, vigorously find the person or people who leaked this information uh, and and basically alleged that, uh, or suggested at least, that those people who leaked the information to uh, both us and the Globe uh, might not like the Prime Minister. But uh, again, as I said, in terms of getting more uh, concrete information on any of the allegations that we brought up or the Globe has brought up, Uh, We didn't hear that yesterday.
0: Speaking of the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau has rejected calls for a public inquiry. Are we closer or further away from that potential reality?
5: Uh, I don't know if we're closer or further. Uh, Yesterday, after considerable bickering between um, not just the Liberals uh, on the committee, uh, that's looking into foreign interference, but also the opposition parties, uh, the NDP blocking Conservatives came together on a non-binding motion calling on the government to have a public inquiry. Um, the Liberals uh, on the committee uh, are voted against it and said basically that uh, it would not be uh, useful and that the committee that's looking into it right now is a proper avenue. And uh, the Liberals also point to the reports that have recently come out about the 2021 election and reports that came out previously about the 2019 election from this committee that they set up of public servants saying that there was no foreign interference. Uh, I will note that there is a major hole in that, uh, that only covers the writ period. Uh, in both our reporting and the Global Mills reporting, uh, it's clear that China just doesn't operate in the you know forty-day period when an election is on. In the caretaker period, uh, they do things prior to the writ period, and you know at different points in time to not necessarily influence uh, election results, but influence uh, members of parliament or or people at different other levels of government, too. Um, but we did hear from Jody Thomas yesterday as the National Security Advisor and from Mr. Vigneault yesterday, uh, broadly saying that even if they had a public inquiry, they wouldn't go and say more uh, at those avenues. So, again, it is up to the Prime Minister to make this decision. It takes an order in council to form a public inquiry, uh, at this time, Mr. Trudeau doesn't seem like he wants to have one, but a week's a long time in politics. Something might change next week. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Mackenzie Gray is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, senior digital broadcast journalist with Global News. The Prime Minister uh, has also said we can't be partisan on this issue because we don't want to uh, you know, undermine the public's confidence in our elections. How has that played out on Parliament Hill?
5: Um, well, it's played out well for the Liberals. That kind of idea has been echoed um by liberal MPs, um, you know, I, I, you, can, you can take that approach and say that we can't have a conversation about uh, serious issues because it might uh, have some people uh, be in the dark or be frustrated about what happens with our institutions. Uh, I mean, I think you could have the exact same argument saying that these institutions are so important that you have to have these conversations at a serious level to make sure that you get to the bottom of uh, serious allegations based on Uh, you know, uh, very credible reporting that's been done by two serious news outlets. Uh, So I think that uh, cuts both ways. Uh, That's the liberal opinion on this. Uh, The Conservatives, NDP and bloc uh, have tried to take the other approach, that this is so serious that we need to have a deeper dive into it to try and protect those institutions. Um, But again, the ball is in the Prime Minister's court if they want to go further and try and look more into this. Uh, I should say, in particular on our reporting, we've asked the Prime Minister very explicitly on multiple occasions, and it hasn't just been asked, but we've asked at global, but colleagues from other uh, news organizations have asked the same questions. What did you know about the allegations against Handong? When did you learn about it? And he has gone out of his way to not only answer the questions, but the first time we asked about it, uh, he played the race card and basically said that it was racist for these allegations to be brought up. We've heard from prominent Chinese Canadians uh, from different groups, whether they be activists or just Chinese Canadian groups, saying that that is literally what the Chinese government in China does when there are criticisms of the Chinese uh, Communist Party, that they say, well, this is an attack on the Chinese race and Chinese people. Uh, I should note that yesterday, Mr. Vigneault outlined, I think correctly, that foreign interference most impacts or the, the biggest you know, group or disproportionately impacts Chinese Canadians because they are the ones uh, in our reporting that are coerced uh, in part into, in this case, voting or allegedly voting for uh, someone to become a Liberal nominee. Uh, and in the Globe and Mail's reporting, they're coerced into making big donati- donations to different candidates at different points in time is, is one of the allegations that they've brought forward. Uh, so uh, that is something the prime minister's done, and I think kind of underscores the uh, the tone and the severity of not only the allegations but the sensitivity that it's clear the prime minister uh, is taking this one with.
0: So many layers to this story, and Mackenzie Gray is doing an amazing job of breaking all this news down for us here on Good Morning Hamilton. Mackenzie, appreciate your time. Enjoy the day and the weekend. Thanks a lot. And as Mackenzie Gray, Senior Digital Broadcast Journalist with Global News.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: The former player with the humble Broncos hockey team who survived that deadly bus crash in 2018 is speaking at Brantford Sanderson Center on March 22nd. It's going to be an awesome event. And Caleb Dahlgren joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Caleb, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing
6: great. Thank you so much. How are you doing?
0: I'm, I'm fantastic. Listen, you have um, an amazing story to tell. Obviously, you're a number one bestselling author, which is incredible just to say. And you're going around the country telling your story of perseverance and resilience. Maybe we'll start with where it kind of all began. And you must get this asked all the time. What do you remember about April 6,
6: 2018? Well, thank you so much. No, I'm honored to be doing this and it'll be a great opportunity to connect with so many individuals around the country. It's truly really incredible. Um all I can remember is everything leading right up to the crash. So it's typical normal game day. We were playing snip you know, when Hawks and Saskatchewan Hockey League playoffs. We were down three to one in the series, but honestly probably could have been three one for us. We were uh had two leads that we blew that went to overtime that we lost. So um, that was a little bit tough balance, but we knew what we had to do. We had to go out and win that game that night. And uh, it was just an all the game day. We had morning practice, pregame, a little brunch at our local restaurant, went home, had a nap, went to the rink, got everything set up, loaded the bus, hopped on the bus. And what I like to do typically is get into my game mode and focus up after uh, about an hour out of our destination. And so that's what I did. I put in my headphones, hit play, put my head down, and that was all I can remember. Wow. And I woke up in a hospital five days later, um, and was like, what's going on? You so suffered, that's all I can remember.
0: You suffered a, a fractured skull, um, a puncture wound to your head, a brain injury, six broken vertebrae in your neck and back. How have you recovered? And, and are you fully recovered, at least physically?
6: Yeah, I have been so fortunate to have an amazing recovery, um, especially with everything that I endured. Um, one of the big things for me was just trying to become the best I can be overall. And I have fully recovered from everything. The only thing that's held me back is the brain injury. And in that essence, I don't think I'll ever be 100% the same with it. However, I've taken huge strides and with technology and all the different advancements today, uh, my brain has been absolutely improved, a tremendous amount, it's got neuroplasticity. Might nerd out a bit over here, but uh, it can remold itself based on new patterns that you provide it with. And so um, I've been working on my best on having it improve, and I've seen great benefit from doing that.
0: Well, you're doing pretty well. You're at York University, you earned a Bachelor of Commerce degree graduating as valedictorian. So that, that's, a, that's a big check mark.
6: Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. No, it's been going good. I was able to graduate in 2021. Now I'm actually doing my doctor of chiropractic studies at Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College in my second year right now. Almost ready to go into my third year. So time flies. But uh, I've been so fortunate to just have so many supports in my life, people in my corner, and also just being able to turn something into to something positive that can help other people. Are you still playing hockey? I do the very odd time. I go out with my friends and will play like wrecked with my friends. But I'm kind of still a little bit nervous to play like real, um, even like beer league as they call it or adult safe. I don't know if it's really too, too safe. So I've been like very leery about that. But with my friends, I'll go out or on outdoor rink, I'll go and skate or even if I help out with the coach at practice or something like that, I love doing it. So. My passion.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Caleb Dahlgren, former Humboldt Broncos hockey player, a number one best selling author of Crossroads, my story of tragedy and resilience as a Humboldt Bronco. And he's going to be speaking at the Brantford Sanderson Center coming up on March the 22nd. You can get your tickets online at tickets.sandersoncenter.ca. What's this speaking tour like? What's your message to people who attend?
6: Well, the whole goal is to create positivity and help influence lives in a better way. And I think through sharing my story, I've been able to really find how it's connected with quite a few people and they can relate to it in their own personal way. Maybe not exactly to being involved in a motor vehicle collision, losing 16 people I consider to be family. However, in the magnitude of the story, there's still a lot of similarities and parallels with lots of people in their lives. And it's not just about the crash of the events of april 6th 2018 there's so much more to it. about it's about family community positivity trying to find the pauses within the negative circumstance Being able to reframe even growth and resilience of coming back after setback and it could be anything in life we've all experienced setbacks at some point we having people put us down and even talk about my diabetic journey and almost losing my dad and These are things that are really relatable to lots of people and I've been fortunate to um, have a platform now to make the most of my story and help other people through theirs.
0: Your story is really an inspirational one, and I'm sure anyone going to the Sanderson Center on March 22nd for your speaking event will be inspired to to, to be better, to, uh, you know, look at some dark things that have happened in their lives and to not uh, think that it's the end of the world as we approach the five-year anniversary of, uh, of this tragic crash. Caleb, thank you for your time. Good luck on March 22nd and uh, and beyond.
6: Thank you so much for the kind words. I appreciate it beyond measure, and I can't wait for this. It'll be a great time look forward to connecting with the community.
0: Great stuff. Caleb Dahlgren, former Humboldt Broncos hockey player, and uh, has a great book, Crossroads, My Story of Tragedy and Resilience as a Humboldt Bronco.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: A lot of cheering, a lot of hype going into the first race of the 2023 Formula One season. Yes, it begins in the Middle East this weekend. Is Red Bull's Max Verstappen destined for a three-peat? is Ferrari and Mercedes ready to conquer the podium. Eric Thomas is the host of Raceline Radio Sundays at 8 p.m. here on 900 CHML and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. E.T., how are you?
7: I'm good, RZ. Nice to be on with you. And yeah, we're all uh, all set for what will be the uh, the 73rd season of Formula One, the championship starting in 1950. So yeah, getting ready to go. And you're right, uh, is anybody going to unseat Max Verstappen? I think all the indications point to the fact that no, you won't be able to. They're still the the best car to beat out there, and they're going to be the fastest car to beat And Max Verstappen, of course, looking to make it three championships in a row. Will Mercedes be closer? Are they purposing anymore? They say they're not, but we need to get that closer. Can Lewis Hamilton win the championship and break the tie with Michael Schumacher and become uh, an eight-time champion and the greatest of all time, and that debate continues, and you know, he'd love to see uh, you know Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz Jr. in the Ferrari get up there and try and make it a three-way fight, but I think, I think we're kind of fooling ourselves a little bit. So I think that uh, Max and Red Bull are going to be the dominant car again this year.
0: Uh, we have some good news to report. Canadian Lance Stroll appears to be healthy enough to race this weekend, which is awesome. He missed all of preseason testing uh, after a bike accident, which I heard he broke one or both of his wrists. Uh, well, which one at least. One so, at least. Yeah. Is he behind the eight ball this weekend? Like, how, much, how yeah. much behind is he?
7: Yeah, he is. He was behind the eight ball all of last year. I mean, he had, you know, every once in a while he finished in the points in the top ten. But he really, really struggled with the Aston Martin team. Uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel's last year there. Yeah, this is going to hurt. This is not what he wanted. He wanted to really get, you know, a good idea what the car is going to do. Of course, now Fernando Alonso is there as the number 1 guy and of course he's a former champion, so you want to latch onto him. The fact that he was not able to test in Bahrain last week because he came off his bicycle. He was training in Spain and he crashed his bike and he's broken, I think it's his left wrist. And there was some possibility that he may not even race in this opening race that uh, Felipe Dracovic, the F2 champion, came in and subbed for him in testing and may want to do the race. But Lance says, you know, it's like in, in, in Bobby Bond fashion, tape it up. There's pins in there, tape it up, and <laughs> I'll go and I'll try and drive. It's not going to be a pleasant experience for him to do that. But they miss him because you don't know how your guys debrief. Your, your teammate, you want to be with him, especially during testing, so you figure out, you know, how he works, how he talks about it, how he debriefs, and Alonzo and how they work together. And the fact that, yeah, he wasn't there during testing. He's going to be behind the eight ball, and it's going to hurt him every time he tries to turn the steering wheel on the Aston Martin. So it's not going to be an easy weekend for Lance, but I guess, you know, a brave lad to attempt it, but it's not going to be a good weekend for Lance Stroll. But at least he's back in the car, and that's good, but that's not... Having the testing around and missing that because of his mishap is, is going to put him, you're right, behind
0: me. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Eric Thomas, the host of Raceline Radio. You can hear that show each and every Sunday night at 8, right here on 900 CHML. I think the one constant in F1 is change, and we have new drivers <laughs> in some new seats. Gone are uh, legends like Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher has left. Uh, we have rookies, yeah. Logan Sargent, the American who's in. Oscar Piastri has found a seat. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg is back. Which yeah. which driver duo intrigues you the most?
7: Wow, the one I just mentioned them, and even the Leclerc and Carlos signs at Ferrari because you probably know Mattia Matty Bonotto, the guy that runs the team, isn't there anymore. That was a team last year that the car was probably better than the results showed, but there was so much confusion, Rick. And I want to see this year that to me that's going to be the team I'm going to watch closely because there was so much confusion. The guys on the wall, the guy running the team, the pit people, and the drivers were clearly not on the same page, and that really, really hurt Ferrari. And the one thing you got to keep in mind is is that most of the World Driving Championship kind of focuses on Ferrari, and when they're not doing well, there seems to be something a little out of kilter with that one. Just seems to be the way it is with history. So I want to see whether or not those guys, especially Leclerc, who is enormously talented. Whether they can get their their act together and have the guys on the wall and the driver in concert, because they clearly haven't been the last couple of seasons. So even though these guys are, are experienced and not changed in terms of their car, like you were talking about, new guys, new drivers, new 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 organizations, what have you. But these that, that's the one team I'm really going to watch. Sure, I'm going to watch Mercedes. Sure, I'm going to watch Red Bull and see if that gap between them is closer. But the one that intrigues me is Ferrari because. You need those guys to get up there, and I would love to have them more competitive and make it a, a three way championship and not just a two way championship.
0: I think for me, you know, th- there's so many, re- re- you know, really good duos out there. I think, you know, the Stroll Alonso one is intriguing because Stroll just had a legend in Vettel. Now he's got another one in Alonso, yep. another, you know, world champion. For me, right. the most interesting one is the Mercedes because I, I know Lewis and-, and George Russell have been, you know, together for a couple of years now, but for me, yep. This is almost like passing the torch. George in that Mercedes seat is almost the next kind of, you know, British great driver yep. that could, yep. who knows, someday win a championship.
7: Yeah, will. and remember this, too, is that even though the car was, was horrible for Lewis, he was able to at least podium with it. But George Russell won with it and had a pole last year and he's the heir apparent, they get along very, very well, which is kind of unusual sometimes with, with F1 teammates. But, you know, <laughs> Russell is a guy with an enormous amount of talent, too, and you're right. I mean, when, if, and he won't do it until maybe H forces him to do it. There are still rumors this morning, just checking the wire, that Lewis is going to be, you know, Jensen Button was talking about the possibility of Lewis retiring. You're going to have to pull him out of there kicking and screaming to try and get that eighth championship, and he's not going anywhere until he does that. I just pray that the car is not porpoising anymore, is not bouncing around anymore. Uh, the trouble is, though, the Red Bull didn't start off last year very well. It was overweight, it was too heavy, it was it was uh, it was understeering, it was pushing like crazy. They eventually got it to work, and of course, we know what happened with Max. And he won that that second championship in a row, looking for three this year. Can Mercedes, you know, can they get that gap closed? Can they be more competitive? And you, George Russell is a guy that seems to like a car a whole lot different than Lewis, but that, again, that's another team you're going to watch carefully because I want that gap to Red Bull and Verstappen specifically to be a whole lot narrower than it was last year because it was a wide expanse, and uh, I want to see that closed up. I want it to be more competitive. You know, It's not a runaway, never like that, but let's see if those guys can close the gap on, the, on that Red Bull and
0: Max Verstappen. It's going to be fun to watch Sunday and all year round, and you can get those weekly updates by listening to Raceline Radio Sunday nights at 8 p.m. on 900-CHML. The host, Eric Thomas, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton. E.T., appreciate your time. Enjoy the race and enjoy the weekend. Yeah.
7: These chats are always fun, RZ. Everybody enjoy the the racing, and we'll talk to you Sunday night on Raceline Radio at 8 o'clock.
0: You got it. Eric Thomas, host of Raceline Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning
0: Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.